Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I think I feel like it's another ass comment, but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to another week of the Ready Play Tennis <laughs> Podcast. I'm Jason. Hi, I'm Aldwin. I was reflecting as we prepared to record this episode, and I remembered when we first started, we were like, let's do this show every two weeks. And then we quickly <laughs> realized there's actually more that goes on in the world of tennis than, you know, we even realize as huge tennis fans. And that is certainly true <laughs> this particular uh, <laughs> week where there's, again, it seems like 800 tournaments. Uh-huh. And then stories within stories and people cramping and people going seemingly crazy on court during doubles matches. So we're going to talk about all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know, sometimes I think back to that fateful conversation. We're like, girl, I think we should make this a weekly show. I'm like, a weekly show? Who has time for that? <laughs> but over the past two years, two and a half years, we managed to find the time. Yeah. And a particular fan page of a particular player we're going to talk about today reminded us of why it's so important to do a weekly show, because they put us in our place and told us they would not share a particular post that you wanted them to share because it was, quote unquote, old news uh i'm like where is he going with this I'm like i am not following whatsoever but a hundred percent are we gonna start with him yes. we're gonna start with her we're gonna start with him and her okay so let me just give a little bit of a you know a preamble to this story um people can already if you follow our ig you know exactly who we're gonna start off the show with <laughs> Um, as you all know, we normally drop our episode on Wednesday morning, so an episode should have been dropped yesterday. Uh, but, you know, us being kind of freewheeling, free dealing, off the seat of our pants kind of guys, texted each other and we're like, um, can we record tomorrow? And the tennis gods had it, you know, had us in their minds because the biggest news story over the past 24 hours has been... Dun, dun, dun. Sasha with a C. <laughs> <laughs> you have to follow our IG to get that joke because Bublik and the man in question, Zverev, spell their first name differently. Yeah, every time I'm tagging Sasha in our IG post, I'm like, is it with a C? Is it without an S? I don't, like, like, how, do, how do I spell it? How do I spell it every single damn time? <laughs> Uh, they spell it angry today. It's A A N G R Y. She, uh, uh, oh no. We had you so know, many like, good things to say about her towards the end of last season. We did, you know, and I, I felt like we were starting to warm up to her, you know, again, just to take us back to the first season. She did a lot of dodo things, especially when COVID was still in its infancy and uh he kind of rebounded played so well um winning so many great tournaments and then of course the alleg allegations came up of sexual assault from a former ex-girlfriend and here we are mm -hmm. yeah I, I think i think what from you know obviously twitter tennis twitter <laughs> if there's a thing blew up a little bit when this all happened and this kind of behavior just confirms for people that perhaps this is parlayed into other avenues, i.e. those allegations that you are talking about. Yeah, I mean, okay, let's wheel it back a little bit for the folks that actually didn't watch what went on. In the uh, doubles match? <laughs> in the doubles match. You know, just, just to connect it with our lives, Jason picked me up this morning at around 6.25. We played our first... Um, you know, indoor doubles at Supreme in a long ass time. 
And uh, I was scrolling on my phone. He's like, "Girl, what you looking at?" I'm like, "Do you not know what? Do you not know what had happened <laughs> <laughs> in Mexico yesterday or whatever?" Like, you know, a couple hours before. So Zverev is playing with his best friend Melo. I didn't know that. I didn't know that this Brazilian guy was his best friend. But they were playing a doubles match um, against some. No offense, like I hadn't heard of them before. Yeah, I hadn't either. Yeah, sorry about it. But anyway, uh, playing a doubles match. And uh, it was in the super tie break. I believe it was 6-8. And um, the his partner was serving. Melo was serving. The opponent hit a shot, cross-court forehand, that um, at the time when it landed, Melo didn't kind of make any indication that he thought he was, that he thought the ball was out. He thought it was like, okay, man, this is on the line and didn't say anything. And then there you go. Sasha Zverev just loses his mind. <laughs> you want to take it from here? He, they lose the match eventually. Yeah, I think Sasha lost his mind because he felt, that, well, the ball was on the line where the umpire was. So it was like mm. as close or, you know, possibly close as it could be to the umpire that he, Zverev felt he should have seen it. And. Uh, called him a fucking idiot, yeah. Among other things, and this was obviously <clears throat> deep into an intense super tiebreak of a doubles first round match, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so it shows you how important it is. Um, <laughs> I can't read whether that's sarcastic or not. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's sarcastic for sure. Okay. Um, so the match ends. He loses, shakes the opponent's hand, says a few words. I don't know exactly what was said. Perhaps you know what he said to the umpire. But uh, I think before anything is said, <clears throat> hits his racket against the umpire's chair mm-hmm. in uh, a close enough location where he could have inadvertently struck him. And I, I think the question for most people who probably saw it was... Was it intentional that he would have struck it as close to the umpire as he could have? And I think the answer is obviously yes. Like he wanted to make him feel a certain way, make him feel threatened, make make him feel like, uh, or Zverev wanted him to know that he was hard done by and, and hence hitting his chair close enough to him. And then repeated to do it on the other side of, <laughs> of the chair um, a couple more times said a few words when he sat down mm-hmm. and then popped back up and did it again. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, all of the sports commentators that I've watched covering this story have said like, you know, it's bad enough that he took like a couple of thrashes close to the guy's feet, this chair umpire's feet, but he had a moment to sit down and it was a pretty lengthy, like, you know, you might laugh at home when I say 30 seconds, but 30 seconds is a good amount of time to kind of sit down, cool off, reflect. But the guy just gets <laughs> the guy just gets up again and smashes his racket into the chair. I mean, he doesn't even pull a Pliskova. Remember Pliskova in Rome a couple years ago? She is so pissed <laughs> in this in this. I think it was either a semi or a, or a final that she takes her racket and literally damages the umpire's chair. Like, you know, the base of the umpire's chair where there's like sponsorship and yeah. whatnot. And she literally like, like breaks that thing and breaks through that with her racket. But, you know, for Zverev, to, I think it's pretty intentional. He knows where he's going to you know direct his racket at. And the guy was almost injured. Yeah. Yeah, certainly not cool. Uh, what was probably also not cool was having done that behavior and then given his thrashed racket to like a 10-year-old girl or whatever. Is that what he did? <laughs> yeah, he handed the racket out to a fan after, like literally within 15, 20 seconds after having <laughs> done that. So it's like, can I have your racket now that you disposed of it against the umpire's leg? <laughs> Pretty oh, crazy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, 30 seconds on the court was not enough time to reflect on his poor decision. But, you know, the aftermath and the Twitterverse and then 
his own reflection and maybe some counseling from his brother Misha brought him <laughs> to his senses and he put out a statement on his social media feeds. Yeah, which we are not, um, which is, I mean, it's obviously not a surprise to us, but it's not new to us because we've seen him put out several statements, <laughs> <laughs> you know, post jamming at the COVID or sorry, post jamming at like, you know, in the south of France during the height of COVID, not wearing a mask, put out a statement, you know, obviously allegations of the sexual assault from his ex-girlfriend puts out a statement, which, by the way, is still being privately investigated by the ATP tour. I mean, not that we as the public should be privy to what's going on in terms of the investigation, but, you know, you want to kind of share a little bit of news to see how things are going with that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he he posts a statement on his Instagram. Did German you want to English? Did you want to do a dramatic read? Um, I don't have the entire statement with me. Okay. But I mean, here's in part what he says. He says, "It is difficult to put into words how much I regret my behavior during and after the doubles match yesterday. I have privately apologized to the chair umpire because my outburst towards him was wrong and unacceptable, and I'm only disappointed in myself. It just." should not have happened and there is no excuse point blank into period yeah yeah and i guess now it's up to the you know the jury of public opinion as to whether (laughs) people believe that believe that and uh i found it interesting some of the zverev fan comments who (laughs) were you know in a way i think not on his side uh they were also dragging him saying why does he care about doubles anyway (laughs) 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 which i think is funny um (laughs) hello zverev fans doubles is fun that's why it's you know you should try it sometime okay i know it's not you don't make as much money but it is fun i think in part it was because he was playing with his bestie yeah you know what i mean like when you're playing with your bestie like you kind of want to I mean, maybe he's, like, trying to help Mello earn some money. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The other interesting thing, which maybe there wasn't, this wasn't on that particular court, they asked, like, why didn't he challenge the call? Uh, good question. Yeah. Were, are there challenges? In, there must be. Yeah, I think there is, but maybe they were on an outside court, so maybe that court doesn't have it. Like, some tournaments will have it on, like the show courts but not on the outside courts and they were definitely playing on an outside court so Mm -hmm. i presume he would have challenged it if if the system was there yeah and i mean not to give him an excuse for his behavior but some people are saying you know it might have had to do with how i actually don't know someone you know message us or dm us to tell us what time this doubles match took place but you know just going back to our conversation in the car, you told me that um, not only that that series of matches that happened the night previous lasted until like 4.55 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, so he was coming off having done something like incredible and having the longest or the latest ending to an ATP match ever with Brooksby, uh, three Mm. sets and like over three hours and... That was the third in a trio of matches that each went three hours for that particular session. Uh, mm. Three, the three longest matches at that tournament ever <laughs> in, in a row. Really? Yeah. Wow. So all three broke records, and those three are now the three longest matches, like one, two, and whatever the order is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So having had sort of that cool experience and you know, acknowledging it in the press conference and celebrating that and then to go out like that and go out in this way as the the defending champion and in a in the match which we had I think you and I both had the final match last year as one mm-hmm. of the top matches of the year yes. against Tsitsipas. Yes. So yeah, it's definitely a tarnish to uh what has been a bit of a rocky start to his season as we talked about in our reel my first <laughs> your we popped your real cherry today yeah exactly <laughs> real to real uh, cherry <laughs> what was i going to say 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think if you take a look at, I, I always reference the GLTA message board. <laughs> he is being crucified on the GLTA message board. And, you know, for many, it is deservedly so. I was talking to a friend about the situation and she was saying that, you know, something similar something similar happened in the world of uh, professional international volleyball and a person that showed like grossly aggressive violent behavior toward the ref was um was suspended for six months and she's like he needs to get his ass suspended for a couple of months but i don't know that i don't think i've ever heard of the atp suspending a player at that level for that long even for you know, you cannot play the next tournament that you are entered into. Yeah. I don't know that, I don't know that the professional tennis tour and all of that could afford losing a big name like Zverev, but people seem like to think that he's getting away with a lot and not having any consequences for his actions. Yeah. I think, uh, I was chatting with my other half about this and, you know, he's often of the mind that there's, there's certain behaviors in, you know, tennis and perhaps in other sports that us as like regular Joe Schmoes who work in an office <laughs> setting or, or our teachers would not be able to get away with because we wouldn't be able to go back to work the next day. Like we would be, <laughs> yeah. uh, we would be, you know, uh, crafting that resume and, you know, and that cover letter and we would be getting our, <laughs> we would be beginning our networking activities because we, we put, um, been, put on the unemployment line so uh there perhaps needs to be a level of repercussions beyond um you know the the fines that are likely to come i mean i think to your point there's not often um extended you know um suspensions unless you know we can ask sharapova about what things people get suspended for and (laughs) chillich um who have had like drug issues in the past but yeah it maybe there needs to be another tier um when when things in that are so aggressive and so like wrong um happen yeah i mean you oppose this to you know how remember we were laughing in the car like Rafael Nadal has never broke a racket. Yeah. Then there's this um, viral YouTube video of like the two times that Rafa almost broke a racket. <laughs> oh, really? I need to see yeah. that. Yeah. And it's like, I actually think the first clip did not happen during a match. It happened during a practice session. <laughs> but I mean, you know, like obviously tennis players all have different demeanors. Um Unfortunately, I mean, you kind of have to call a spade a spade. The outburst that you saw Zverev have on court, you can't help but connect that with all of the other kind of hot, all the other hot water he's being linked to. And it's Mm. just something that you don't want to believe. But girl, if you if you didn't, if you kept your cool and didn't get up that second, even, even if you just didn't do it at all, like we wouldn't have had to have you be part of the first part of our segment like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, hopefully he can turn the beat around and and not like continue beating umpire's chairs. <laughs> I'm not going to follow up that joke cuz you know it's get, it's going to get too spicy. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> Good save. <laughs> I think, you know, there are other players in the category of Nadal who I think would never break a racket and I think Felix is one of those people. He's like very calm, very composed he had one instance in the final this is my segue to our conversation about Marseille (laughs) that um he was upset because the umpire called him on like how much time he was taking in preparation for his serve he does take a little bit longer and so he had a bit more of an exchange than I'm used to seeing from him but Mm -hmm. he was still sort of very chill about it and like doesn't sort of get irritated or angry and i know we did that like um nancy and tanya comparison of dennis and (laughs) and felix and dennis uh, felix is definitely the the nancy and and the nadal in this uh particular situation i don't expect uh, many if any broken rackets from felix who made another final this past week i know you know all 
Uh, I, 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 even, I even was surprised because, you know, we're used to talking so wonderfully about the Canadian guys, you know, doing well in one tournament, but kind of flaking out in the next. But, you know, I backed up our reel that we posted saying that there is a change in Felix and expect to see him in a Grand Slam final, if not hoisting a trophy. I mean, to be playing back-to-back tournaments and win one and then go and make the final of a second, like, I honestly thought he was going to be a back-to-back titleist. Um, But good on Felix. I mean, he's really turning a corner here. So it's nice for Canadian tennis, I think. Isn't it funny to say that after how many times we've talked about you know, or thinking that he's he's not going to do well. Like this is another final. Oh, it's his fourth final. <laughs> it's his sixth final. And he, prior to winning his first title in Rotterdam, he had not won a set in any of those finals. What can I say? The oracle right here. <laughs> uh, well, this week he lost to Rublev, who he had beaten the previous week in yeah. Rotterdam in the semis and I watched that match and it was a bit of a topsy-turvy match and not necessarily as entertaining as you would want it to be from two top players mm. I chalk it up to be them just both being a little bit sort of worn out from all the all the match play and obviously Felix is worn out because he chose to withdraw from um, the event this week. I think he was playing du- in, Dubai. In Dubai, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, like I, uh, you know, I watched the highlights of that match, and I watched him pretty extensively in Rotterdam. And my takeaway from his game, and the reason why I think that there's been such a huge turnaround with him, and he's getting the results. He, him, like Dennis, I think they obviously can get into like hot, like hot streaks and cold streaks within a match but I feel like Felix is more even not even tempered in terms of temperament but just like really knowing when to hit the right shot and um being like having a controlled aggression like I was watching that final last uh last week and like I said he was hitting his first serve insanely well and just setting up like the one two like the big serve and then um, forehand or backhand into the open court or like forced error that he made Sitsi pass hit hit. Um, but yeah, he was doing a lot of that for um, the tournament this week in Marseille. But like you said, I, the final was really kind of sloppy and all over the place. Mm-hmm. I felt. Yeah. But um, yeah, continue to be impressed with him. I, you know, obviously talked last week about, how early he takes the backhand which I think sets up a lot of his points and the serve being really strong so it's unfortunate that he withdrew uh, from Dubai I think he has a back injury but Mm -hmm. um, we'll definitely be back as we joked last week he will not be back at Davis Cup because he's he's skipping that like Dennis and and Raonic and Pospisil and all those guys yeah okay Uh, question for you because you hopped on to the IG this weekend and you know, had to post the story of a guy that I have never heard before. Mm. How do we how do we pronounce her name? Mm. She's new. I think it's Saforian or Safulin. Safulin? Okay. Yeah. Snackalin is what I'm going to call him. Karatskavs and Sakalin. Yeah, I mean, I saw the picture of him. I saw that he beat Tsitsipas 4 and 4. I think in like the second or third round. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you didn't post on RG on RG for his like accolades on the court. More like what happens when he hits a swinging forehand and like his shirt rises, and you can see that tuft of bearish hair. The mid, which is, which is so for you. That's yeah. completely your lane. Um, and I just <laughs> found it so funny because. You know, you're reaching and you're like, guys, this is like the new snack. And literally no one agreed with you. I don't think that's true. I think people are, uh, I think they're making making their assessment of of Safulian. I'll I'll, I'll figure out how to pronounce his name. (laughs) But for me, uh, all I need to do is look at him. It really doesn't matter how to pronounce his name. Um, 
I also appreciate his game, how cleanly he hits the ball. And um, for somebody who's won 60 in the world or whatever, mm. just how sort of unrestrained he is with his game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he made his sort of first real appearance during the ATP Cup. He was like the number two. Um, had a couple nice wins, took Dennis to three sets, um, and can- well, Canada pulled that out in the doubles, but um, he played really well in the doubles match against Felix and Dennis, too, so. Who does he play for? Uh, Russia. Ah, oh, man, yeah. they're stacked over there. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Definitely stacked with some folks. People think Medvedev is good looking. I don't necessarily see it. Uh, but you know, what, sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Rewind. What? <laughs> I mean, I love him, but I don't necessarily like find him like attractive in the way I think of Karat's calves and uh, Sephorian. Safulin. It's Safulin. The next reel in our IG is going to be you pronouncing his name properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's definitely easy on the eyes, and he has a solid game. So hopefully, he'll be another. I know we're we're not really into Russia right now with all that's going on in, <laughs> in geopolitics, but we can still like the players, hopefully. Yeah. Can I just give a quick shout out to uh, Joe Wilford Sanga? Yes. Where first of all, where has she been? Number one, did she, I? I'm assuming she received a wild card into this tournament. I think she um, receives it, wild cards into everything these days. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, <laughs> that would probably be the most accurate. Um, you know, the byline for that uh, matchup was, you know, Felix faces his uh, idol. He idolized Joe Wilfred as he was growing up and playing tennis. And, you know, um, Felix played a solid match. Sanga still's got, still, Sanga still got it, though. You know, when we talk about players like Murray and, uh, you know, for a minute, Delpo, but obviously she's retired now, and uh, Vavrinka, and who we're waiting on for a comeback. Uh, you know, Joe Willie did really well when he was kind of at his peak, but I'm not sure whether this Zaddy has got any gas left in the tank. Like, is he just accepting wild cards to put this is so awful put food on the table (laughs) like i I just have not seen her yeah i think she was injured um and is now you know trying to make a little bit of uh, a return a la you know andy murray and right you know delpo to a lesser extent we won't we won't (laughs) rehash that whole experience (laughs) because it's too devastating well, you know, maybe if we have time at the end, I want you to share what you told me, which seems to have given you a little bit of a glimmer of hope. I don't, I don't have any hope for that. I tried tried to search any stories related to that, <laughs> ah. but I didn't find anything. Anyway, okay, well, you know, you know what, Ryan Day, stop telling us lies, okay, bitch. Yeah, Ryan Day, share with us the story or the interview <laughs> where said Delpo said he's going to try for one more comeback and that he <laughs> is. Consulting with the folks who <laughs> gave surgeries to Tsitsipas and Djokovic. Do tell. Share with us all the quotes and all of the evidence. And, um, you know, don't sue us for libel or <laughs> anything because we're just really just joking. But do share with us the evidence anyway. Yeah. Slide into our DMs. The other... Okay, well, we we talked we talked all about Marseille. Or Marseille, sorry. <laughs> I can't pronounce anything. Safulin. It's been a long day for her, folks. Safulin <laughs> in Marseille. Um, but the winner is Rublev, so we have to say congratulations <laughs> for winning your first title in a year. Yeah, you know, he was on the tip of our lips, just waiting for him to kind of break through and be part of the new guard of players. And this is a good confidence builder for him. I think this is the tournament that he is going to use to kind of catapult him back to where he was last year or maybe two years ago where he was just losing to the big guys. So. Yeah. <laughs> and winning multiple 500. <laughs> right. Back in 2020, not 2021. Right. Uh, speaking of the new guard, we have to talk about the men's health cover model from <laughs> Spain. I'm so happy you started with that. Yeah, with, with the that. abs that like go up to his chest. 
Jeez. You know, I was um, I was surfing the interweb, as you like to call it. And, uh, you know, this Alcaraz and this Men's Health Spain magazine cover has just gotten everyone a flutter. My goodness. Like, there are some weird publications out there on the internet. They're just like, Alcaraz has turned from a boy into a man. <laughs> look, look at his muscular physique. Like, he doesn't look like an 80-year-old Spanish boy eating, like, I don't know, <laughs> Spanish omelet. But, geez, he looks good. And, you know, when I did the reel about him, uh, the day that he won the reopen against Schwartzman, I was very impressed with his, yeah, he does look buffer, you know? I guess when you're 18, you're going kind of at the tail end of puberty and, like, <laughs> you're just packing on those muscles so quick. I love right? how, like, once you turn 18, like, all all bets are off. Like, <laughs> you the explosion of, like, the magazine covers and, like, showing, basically showing pubes on the cover of magazines. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's what that's, you know, all bets are off once you turn 18. I know, but no treasure trail shaved. She's (laughs) she's a bit hairless for sure. Yeah, she's definitely a bit hairless, but damn, like fine. She looked good. She yeah, definitely looked good. And the game looks good, too. Game looks really good. I want to ask you, did you catch a little bit of that Schwartzman final? Okay, so wanted to Mm. plan to. Yeah. Taped it? Yes. Uh, got screwed over by Instagram. Why? Saw the results and decided... Oh. Yeah. I decided not to watch it. Obviously, my assessment, knowing that rain was heavy there in Rio, that particular event, uh, multiple days were rained out. I forget. I was watching one day... Um, I think it was an Alcaraz match. Um, I forget who he was playing. Maybe it was Del Bonus or something. But mm. rain continued. Started watching a, another match another day. The whole day of coverage rained out. So matches got backed up. Quarterfinals and semifinals happened on the same day. So those two who were in the final were worn <clears throat> out. And of course, Schwartzman was worn out just a little bit more having played like five and a half hours the day before. So uh, five and a half hours is a lot of tennis to play. And Alcarez is being, you know, post pubescent at 18 and <laughs> fit as F and having only played three hours, 45 minutes in his two matches was obviously going to be more rested. And it's just a bit more or can be a bit more imposing and physical. Yeah, I mean, mind you, Schwartzman made the final of um, Argentina last week as well. So just the double duty of the back-to-back tournaments, going deep and playing those six hours on the Saturday is insane. So I watched that final. Um, Yeah, you know, Schwartzman started off really strongly, but Alcaraz is just blasting, firing forehands all over the place, running around his backhand. Actually, no, I'm going to take that back. He wasn't really running around his backhand. He was really, you know, using the backhand to kind of stay in the point as a solid rally ball. But, I mean, I think the most fascinating thing that came out of that match was actually a fact that you brought to my attention. It's something that Alcaraz mentioned, I guess, in an interview, Mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah, share it with us. Well, obviously, people are making a comparison to a certain player. Uh, with Alcaraz, the Spain comparison, the sort of trajectory and rise at a young age, uh, perhaps a little bit of the physique, Rafa, (laughs) lefty, um, Alcaraz, righty, but um, also both perhaps look good in cutoff shirts. (laughs) However, um, Alcaraz seems to compare himself a little bit more to Federer. In terms of being, uh, in terms of the aggressive nature of his play and taking the ball early. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that he's more like Nadal. Alcaraz's tennis looks effortful. You know those players that are just like grunting and like their swing just looks like it's looking like they're expending some energy every time they hit the ball. I wouldn't 
compare Alcaraz to Federer in that way. In my mind, he's more like Nadal. Like, right. you know, lots of energy he's putting into the court. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know that I see that Federer comparison yeah, I like the all. I like that context actually. The what you're saying is Federer is a bit more fluid, a bit more or presents as a bit more effortless, whereas um, you know Nadal and Alcaraz sort of put their full weight into every shot and and energy into every ball. Whereas, and that that's not to say that Federer doesn't. It just sort of feels a bit more. As we've said many times, Federer sort of floats around mm-hmm. the court, whereas um, those two are a bit more maybe imposing in terms of their physical presence. Yeah, like anytime anyone's ever watched um, YouTube video up close of Federer just in, on practice, that stroke, the way that he hits, hits the ball, looks smooth like butter, mm-hmm. like peanut butter. Just effortless it's like it's not even like he's hitting the ball to be honest with you and in fact i'm i'm recalling an interview that he had you know i guess at a tournament someone was saying like you know when when you're when you're playing tennis it looks like you're not even hitting the ball like what's your secret and federer said something like when you're swinging it's not like you're trying to hit the ball it's like you're hitting through the ball and i'm like Ooh, that's like a good little <laughs> tip to kind of keep in mind for all of us like club players is like, you know, not don't try to hit the ball. Just like, I mean, it's easier, so much easier said than done if you're Roger Federer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well done, Alcaraz. Clearly he's the future of tennis. And I think mm-hmm. one of your posts uh, was the future is now <laughs> so yeah two years ago a lot of people are like really excited like when I asked on our IG who among this week's ATP winners are you most excited about it was literally like 90% Alcaraz so it wasn't Cam Nori oh yeah he won <laughs> I mean you did a wiener post I forgot about her she did win where did she win did she win in Delray Beach we took out the bot Apelks Apelka Apelks made another final this week wow good for him good for him I know you know and I was really so proud of myself because I I I came up with the fact myself like all of the finalists this year were finalists the week before Mm -hmm. yeah which is kind of cool it is cool it's I like Opelka. I think he's cool I think he's funny I think he's like deadpan <laughs> in his sort of humor particularly on social media and it seems like we continue to get further and further hints that he is dating the 450th <laughs> women's tennis player in the world venus williams <laughs> 450 something, geez something like that where is his where's her sister they this is probably the lowest ranking they've had since they started on the tour uh well yeah since they were yeah making their way up the ranks i guess <laughs> yeah 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 i don't know exactly where they are but that Any... that was just a side comment to talk about opalka yeah i mean uh, the the flaming of the fire that jason is talking about is uh venus's <laughs> posts at delray beach i also think she was in dallas the week before okay. someone someone tell me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure i saw venus post a uh, story watching Apelka's match from the stands. So, you know, if they're trying to keep it on the DL, they're not they're definitely not doing a good job of that. Like, just come out. You could be like the, like, you could be like the Steffi and Andre of this generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be and cute. Your t- and your kids are going to be fucking ginormous. Like, <laughs> nine feet tall. Jeez. <laughs> that would be cool. She is currently ranked uh, 465 in the world. Wow, so you're not, you were not far off at all. <laughs> um, you know, a, a slight sidebar before we get into other things. Mm. I still, to this day, I we need somebody to come on the show who can explain <laughs> to me the WTA rankings because <laughs> this girl who we know has a lot of promise, the one and only, you know, multiple sponsor getting... Emma Raducanu mm-hmm. has won one match, maybe two, since winning at the U.S. Open, and she 
became like 23 in the world after that tournament and has has now risen despite mm-hmm. only winning one or two matches in the last six months since winning that title to number 12. <laughs> so she loses but continues to rise. Yeah. And, the, you know, the same thing has happened to our girl Layla. She has risen like eight or ten spots. I think she's in the top 20 now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I understand the a little bit about the point system and the defending of results from the previous year and that those you lose those points like i i kind of like my mind gets all of that and computes all of that but then when it comes to like technically how that works and the movement of players i still even hosting a podcast almost for two years i still don't get it (laughs) (laughs) help I know. Uh, well, I mean, I pretty much know as much as you. The last time we made this call out, we asked our friend Russell. Russell's very kind of into following the rankings. Like he introduced me eons ago to like the live ranking website where you see, you know, the movement of the players and what they're playing this week, the points that they could possibly get, the points that they are quote unquote protecting. So it is like uh, the complicated algorithm that will, once you figure it out, will give you entry into the matrix, the WTA ranking system. Um, I mean, I don't understand it that much either. All I do know, however, is that based on what we know, Layla has some points to be protecting because she won Acapulco, I think, last she year. She won the tournament I th- in Mexico. The yeah. one, I think it's the one that's happening this week. Yeah. So, I mean... We will see where she is after after this week. I actually don't even know whether she, she had direct there? entry. Right. Yeah. Is she playing something? there? I don't know. It's, isn't that awful? I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what she's playing. That's so. okay. We sort of dipped into the women. Uh, before we get to the woman of the week, uh, your fave, <laughs> uh, we'll call her Yelena. <laughs> we should also mention that RBA won a title in Qatar. D- Sis, it was so busy last week. Too much going on. So our, I missed I missed a person. I missed RBA in the IG post. He was not on our IG post, on my IG post. How dare you? How dare I? <laughs> How dare I? He I mean, is I'll... the player... Sorry to interrupt you. He is the player that everyone on the men's side is like, I want to practice with him. I want to hit with him. He's like so fluid. I think Djokovic talks always about loving hitting with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> loving hitting, hitting with him and then loving beating him in tournaments. Right. E- except for this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So congrats, RBA. Yeah, he beat, I mean, I'm not really exactly sure what his pathway was to the final, but he beat a dangerous floater in any draw in Basilashvili. Um, and he beat, a, he beat him pretty handily three and four. Mm-hmm. So all I can imagine from that final is that RBA just did what RBA does best, and that is get every fucking ball back. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, grind his opponent to the ground. Yeah. We didn't talk too much about well, we haven't actually talked at all about Djokovic, but he did mm. return this week. Yes. So it is uh, perhaps a little bit monumental for the Djokovic fans who, or non-fans who like him or don't <laughs> like him for his stance on vaccination. Uh, but obviously Dubai does not require it. So he has returned there to play and won his first match against Musetti. Yeah, another guy that, you know, was doing so well at the French Open two years ago and just kind of, was it two years ago or last year? Can't remember. Can't remember. All of these matches are just, (laughs) (laughs) are just, you know, becoming so blurry. But anyway, another guy that was doing really well. Um, Again, his IG stories, Djokovic, upon arriving in Dubai is like, you know, um appearance here going with my wife to the museum here like so many press opportunities i don't know whether there was like um how would you say like um 
a subtext or underlying intention there. Like, hey, look at me. I'm unvaccinated, but I'm at all of these places. <laughs> and I'm enjoying life and promoting just as usual. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think so because I don't think that he's that kind of guy. But I can imagine a lot of people draw, coming to that conclusion if they watched his IG stories that day. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see how he does. People are going to have their opinions. They're going to continue to hate him or they're going to continue to cheer him on. Like, I think it's, there's there's really no middle ground <laughs> in that regard. Uh, I did read a story on some of the sponsors now sort of uh, coming out and sort of staking their position with him and whether they're mm-hmm. going to stay because obviously that's something that ends up happening in terms of people starting to make decisions around their involvement from a business perspective a perspective for someone like Djokovic who has said that he's against something that is pretty popular and you know has proven to save lives and blah 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 so yeah. Peugeot is a car company and they have uh, stood by him it sounds like and and said that they appreciate that he has shared his his thoughts and values and and that um yeah that they they're going to continue their partnership with Djokovic so that's that's great good yeah. for them good, good for, for them for for making a stand i mean the immediate thought in my head is just like whoever you know in this day and age if there's someone like Peugeot that's going to stand by Djokovic's side who is obviously a polemic figure a whole lot of people that we're thinking about buying Peugeot cars are like, sorry, you're canceled. You know, that's just the way that it is right now. So it is brave to a certain degree to mm-hmm. like, you know, vocalize whether you're going to stand by someone, you know, in such a concrete way. So that's good. That's great on them. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Speaking of concrete, your opinions <laughs> about this particular player have lived in and amongst <laughs> concrete for many, many months and and years quite frankly maybe maybe even since she won the french open yeah i was gonna say like my opinion of this player has predated our podcast probably uh, to her infancy as a human being less let alone as a (laughs) as a tennis player (laughs) yeah you know what i i will say sorry just to sorry to interrupt you i will say that my judgments about her started um, in I think it was in Hobart in Australia at the very beginning of the season where she played, you know, our IG follower and listener, Naomi Brody, where Naomi Brody won that match. And she was, <laughs> said to her famously, you threw your racket at the ball, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And she she being Naomi Brody laughed at that. <laughs> she did. She did. Um but the one and only, um, no sponsor having <laughs> Yelena Ostapenko was the big winner in Dubai last week. Yeah. Um, you shared another fun fact while we were in the car today. Actually, someone shared a fun fact with you about her route or her route to the final. Yeah. Or her she, route to the championship. Yeah, she beat. Uh, three Grand Slam winners on her way to the title. Do you know who those three Grand Slam winners are? I know one of them is Barbora. One of them is Muguruza. And Uh I can't recall who the third one was. I'm pretty sure she played Kvitova as well in Dubai. Mm. But she also beat Halep. So I think she must oh. have played. She must have won. She must have beat more than three Grand Slam winners. Right. I remember talking to you this morning about Halepe. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I was watching that match, and then I left. It was kind of like that. Um, that match with Iga, that Rome, mm. that Rome final, where I like went and walked the dog and made breakfast and the match was over that third set <laughs> ended i think it must have been 15 minutes i don't know what happened to Halep, but i sort of left um watching it when the third set started and it was over like within 20 minutes yeah Halep won the first set six four um i'm pretty sure that's how it went 
at in the French Open, or it might have been the reverse. It might have been Ostapenko winning the first set at the French Open, and then Halep clawing her way back in the second, and then of course, you know, Ostapenko just catching fire and hitting winners from every part of the court. But I mean, I think when I watched that third set. Halep is still kind of at the stage in her comeback where she hasn't played a lot of intense third sets deep in um, a tournament. And it, it just has to be said, you know, when Ostapenko catches fire, you can no one, literally no one can stop her. She's like a Latvian uh, bullet train <laughs> that has no stops and she's going to get to her destination and she's going to do it in the most annoying and like just weird ill way yeah <laughs> weird ill <laughs> way yeah <laughs> technical term ill way yeah super ill she beat kurdmatova in the final love and four uh-huh okay give me yeah this is uh this is your moment because i think we need to understand well not me our listeners need to understand a little bit <laughs> of why, why there is such disdain, disdain, why yeah, there is wow. such hatred for, for for Yelena, for Yelena. Like, do you not like her kits? Do you not like her long pony? Do you not like her mom? <laughs> First of all, I will never. Uh, okay, that's untrue. I was gonna say I will never go for a tennis player's parent, but no, everything is fair game on this podcast, so I'm not gonna <laughs> hold myself to that. Um, okay, to answer your question, I mean, again, going back to the whole Naomi Brody situation, that match just showed to me how much of a poor sport she can be, and you know, at the time, I just kind of chalked her behavior up to kind of just being bratty and young. But as she has evolved, even with a Grand Slam title under her belt, if you YouTube Yelena Ostapenko's name, you will find multiple infractions, <laughs> multiple, multiple matches where she has played and pissed someone off because of her just childish-like behavior. I think in one match she was playing Tomjanovic at a grass court tournament. It was either Eastbourne or Wimbledon. And... Um, you know, there was some kind of something happened during the match, but the actual drama happened when they were shaking hands. And I think Tomjanovic, um, Ostapenko kind of gave her, you know, your typical, maybe more than cold handshake, like barely grazing your fingers. And then Tomjanovic was like, Did you see that handshake? And then there was an exchange, and like Ostapenko called Tomjanovic like the worst player on the WTA tour. <laughs> who says that? Yeah. You know, who says that? I mean, she. For that reason, I find her to be so unlikable. But, I mean, uh, my hmm, my penance, I would say, this week, in her winning the, um, the tournament, is I was like, okay, I'm going to find... And, and let me just kind of scroll back for a second. <laughs> I had to... Because, you know, I recognize... Uh, that I post on our IG and like initially the stagnant post of her holding the trophy was going to be like gross ew but I'm like okay honestly we've Jason and I have talked on the podcast about giving grace to people that maybe maybe you know through their actions don't deserve it thank you (laughs) and I was like let me let me just roll it back a little bit let me calm the calm it down and so instead of ill gross I wrote sure period yay period which I thought was like perfectly communicated my feelings but like okay congrats to you Yelena for winning your fifth WTA title mm-hmm. um I've lost my train of thought <laughs> you you um talked to me earlier about wanting to or maybe not necessarily wanting to but I having identified three things that you do appreciate or value in her in her sort of game or even just about her in general. And I wondered if you found those three things. (laughs) Okay. So I really racked my brain. I did a lot of research. (laughs) Research. (laughs) I did. I had to, I had to research like if something came up in my research, I'm like, okay, that's something that I would find acceptable for me to like about her. (laughs) Um, Okay, number one, I would say that one thing that I like about her is that her clothes aren't as ugly on the court. (laughs) Aren't as ugly as what? (laughs) Well, her previous kits that she wore for um, 
Adidas, right? She was yes. sponsored by Adidas. And now she's just like a hot mess because she's like wearing an Adidas visor, Nike, freaking top. I don't know what skirt she's wearing. But I mean, again, let's clue in here. There's no sponsors out there that want to sign her for a contract. Here's my defense of that. I think she's pulling a bit of a Karatz Cavs because she's winning again. And she's mm. waiting for the right opportunity. That's, I'm, that's me giving her a bit of grace. <laughs> yeah i mean sure okay i mean like i can imagine um i mean i don't know any famous like anger management facilities that could possibly sponsor her you know whoever she gets signed with but um i will say this and i do think that this is a really nice thing that i can say about her is that she has probably the best return on the women's game she can take a first, obviously a second serve, but she can even take a first serve and hit that return pretty much anywhere that she wants. Her down the down the line return on the forehand and backhand is really gorgeous to watch. And in that six love bagel set against Kudermatova, she was literally doing that off every one of her serves. So I was watching him like, you know, you can't be mad at that game, that kind of aggressive, like I'm going to go for it all kind of style. So that was pretty much the only thing that I could find that I liked about her. (laughs) (laughs) She has no plan B. There's one (laughs) game style. It's like pure aggression and bludgeoning the ball and trying to direct it the way she wants. As you said, she hits very cleanly. I'm reminded of Kennen when she is good and hopefully she'll be good again um but people <laughs> maybe feel the same way about Kennen and as they do about ostapenko in terms of her attitude on the court and i know people have a lot of feelings about ostapenko and maybe a bit of gamesmanship that happens when yeah. she's down and calling of trainers and all of that stuff so but congrats question yeah okay yeah totally congrats two things i would like to add about her um i think uh, these journalists say you know their their kind of comments about her game are perfect and spot on um steve tinier of tennis.com described ostapenko's mentality as quote see ball hit winner (laughs) (laughs) very perfect yeah very robot end quote and um, <laughs> okay, that other, that other second go- quote is not fun. But yeah, I mean, she's very kind of, I mean, one dimensional the best way that you can be. Because if you're amazing at that one dimensional kind of game, no one can stop her. Um, the second thing that I wanted to say about her, I forgot. I forgot. One dimension Congrats. doesn't work for every player, though. Like, ask Sabalenka, ask, mm. you know, ask certain players. Um, we, we obviously cannot call someone like Osaka one-dimensional. She has a few more dimensions, but we know that she could be winning a whole lot more titles outside of Grand Slams if there was a few more dimensions. I think we've talked similarly about Mugu. There's certain mm. things about her game that if she added one or two more dimensions, she could be winning more. So, yeah. yeah. I will say, in addition to her incredible return and just in general her stroke her strokes her stroke production she has determination i don't think that i've seen her in any of the annoying matches that i've watched her play in really (laughs) throw in the towel right like she's in it to play and to win until the last point so that's very commendable and that's an amazing trait yeah i mean she was definitely down and out in that french open final um, I think you and I were at the Detroit tournament or something. And, <laughs> we were, and uh, listen, we are. I think we were maybe listening to it in the car uh, when I had Sirius XM and they were covering the French <laughs> Open, and we were listening to it, and you know, stopped Simona at the time from winning her first slam again, which had happened multiple <laughs> times for her. So, congrats again. You know, obviously, Simona. We hope she will be able to rebuild that stamina to stay in matches because she's a fave 
Is there anything else you wanted to chat about on the ladies or the men's, whether like last week's tournaments or this week? I think uh, there's I think we're, so I think much. I'm good. Yeah, there's so much tennis this week. I do have one, you know, little piece of commentary which I think we've we haven't talked about necessarily recently, but mm. I appreciate that new markets are investing in the tour and I don't know necessarily that the Middle East is a new market but when you see like the start of the Qatar tournament and when you see it continue as a now it's a I don't know what it was before but it's a it's the first WTA 1000 event of the year mm-hmm. and you see like five fans in the stands oh, and yeah. you know like throughout the event that perhaps you know, the level of the tournament is going to be equal to the number of fans who walk through <laughs> or come through the turnstiles of the, the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. It's, it just, it feels a little bit sad and you want to know like how, what can they do more to like get more people out to watch the tennis? Cause it's like awesome. The draw there is incredible in terms of the players. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, you even said it yourself, like Dubai being a thousand, but all of those tournament tournaments that are happening in Mexico, like the Abierto, Telcel Open, they have insanely amazing fans, like New York City level. And it's only, I think a couple of them are only 250, but the fans show up and yeah, you just wonder how can, you know, I don't think Mexicans are known, to be honest with you, internationally for being that into tennis. There's certainly no Mexican players in either the men's or the women's side that would be like a, a flag bearer for them. But they come out in droves. And you're right. It is really sad. Like, girl, this is a thousand level tournament. Like this woman that's about to win the tournament is going to pick up a nice ass check with five fans in the stand to give her a clap. That's yeah. not cute. Not cute. Not cute. The last, last thing I wanted to talk about, which I've wanted to talk about for a couple of weeks, which is also not cute. Okay. Is the continuing trend of people creating logos aligned <laughs> with themselves as players and in particular people creating logos with their initials in them. <laughs> so this was started by you know, the one and only Roger Federer. And we know about that whole instance of him trying to get ownership <laughs> of that back from Nike, um, which he now has. Uh, Novak has that um, and, you know, has that on the Lacoste clothing. Nadal didn't do it. He did something a little bit different. It looks like a sort of bullhorn, which is mm. sort of indicative of his style of play, which we talked about earlier. But um, <laughs> another player has decided to create a logo with his initials uh someone who has been off the tour for a while and and a name that's been off of our lips for a while but um it's it's a it's a fugly d and a fugly (laughs) t brought together not necessarily connected but on a shirt and probably going to be on a bunch of other merchandise that no one's going to buy hopefully yeah i mean DT dominant top? Uh, I don't Dom think... Top? I mean, I'm not sure if in the Bellamy that he has previously <laughs> filmed if he was or not. I didn't quite catch it, but I don't believe that he would be a Dom top. But he is a Dom team. Is it that bad? I th- you I, th- I remember seeing it. I'm like, yeah, it's not the most appealing, but I didn't think it was fugly. It's come on. <laughs> I we need to do a poll to our IG it, fans and ask them what they think of it because it is, it is not, it is not good and it's a bit sort of copycat, <laughs> a bit lame. Like I think, you know, you and I have been talking about other things that we would like to do, and mm-hmm. our our drawings and mockups were better than this. <laughs> Hire us then, Dommy. Yeah. Come on, man. Oh, yeah, I see it. Um, Yeah. Like, is it meant to look like something else? Like, what is it? It looks kind of like a slanted pie sign with a tail. It looks like... (laughs) Oh, okay. Let's let's play this game. What does it look like, Jason? It looks like somebody (laughs) sort of 
bent forward a little bit and like dropping a rectangular poop out of their bum. Dom top. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very basic. Yeah. He could have done better. Exactly. That's that's it. Okay. Okay. Uh, That's it for... (laughs) 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 Sorry, Dominic. We want to see you back and... We do remember that you won the 2020 U.S. Open, we swear. (laughs) Uh, We'll see you next week. Enjoy all of the great tournaments. As Aldwin said, the the ATP 500 event in Mexico is always amazing. Mm. Uh, It, I think, this week has the best draw. And Qatar, obviously, for the women, has an amazing draw. And while you can't necessarily be there in the stands, be... (laughs) part of the few thousand to watch it on TV. <laughs> hey, oh, last last thing, I swear. Please go and vote for us uh. Uh, for the Sports Podcast Awards. We are rising in the rankings and mm-hmm. we admittedly have no idea how much more time you have to vote, but do go register, cast us a vote, help us to win, help us to beat the tennis podcast. Yeah, link in our bio, register and vote for us, please. Please go do that now. Bye. <laughs> Bye. We're here for your tennis or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five star review and like, share, and subscribe and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. <laughs>